when I was a young person, I didn't really listen to the words of songs. And uh, once you think about that, I think that ought to be our prayer today. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence, daily live. That's the Christian life. In his presence, daily live. Pray that would be our prayer. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but growing up, I had my life categorized. There was school. There was home. There was playing with the boys. Then there was church. And uh, church was church time. School was school time. Home was home time. But at the age of 21, I realized it's all his time. And if you're a Christian, everything, we should be living in his presence. Like he's real. Amen. I don't know about you. That's practical to me. And uh, changed the way I thought about things. Appreciate all of you being here. Uh, I want to get serious. But I want to read a couple of tidbits about marriage. Some funny, some very poignant. Before marriage, a man will lie awake all night thinking about something you said. After marriage, he'll fall asleep before you finish saying it. Come on. How many of you ladies say, that's truth, preacher? True preacher. So let's get some others to be honest here. How many of you ladies agree with that? Would you say amen? Yeah, gentlemen, we got some work to do. The Japanese have a word for it, marriage. It's called judo. The art of conquering by yielding. But the Western equivalent of judo is, yes, dear. Marriages are made in heaven. So is thunder and lightning. Success in marriage is much more than finding the right person. It's the matter of being the right person. You know what a formal wedding in West Virginia looks like? I said formal wedding in West Virginia. Not here in Tennessee, but West Virginia. That's when the shotgun's painted white, amen? You know, West Virginia gets a bad rap. They talk about how we're hillbillies and you could get on the wrong turn in West Virginia. And that's true. But I'm going to tell you all something. I've been in some places in Tennessee. I wouldn't want to be there after dark. And I heard some banjo music playing there too. Amen. There was a man up in Knoxville took me in East Tennessee up near the border of Kentucky. And he was showing me some places to try to find grouse hunting. I think he took the wrong turn. I'm telling you right now, I've seen some folks there. I don't know if they'd send people in years. But I know one thing. I said, you got plenty of gas and your truck's all right because I want to make sure we don't get stopped here. Then the last one, if your children spend most of their time in other people's houses, you're lucky. But if they all congregate at yours, you're blessed. 
Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22? Proverbs, chapter 22. I want to deal with a subject today that I think is uh, no doubt misconceived. But before we read in Proverbs chapter 22, and by the way, I learned these two verses or two verses out of that Proverbs when I was a child. They were quoted to me as a child, and I learned them as a child. But in Proverbs chapter 1, we don't have to turn there, but I want to say, many of you say, well, Pastor, where could I start reading in my Bible? Where could I start? If I wanted to start a devotion or if I started, wanted to just read the Bible, then can I encourage you to go to the book of Proverbs? Read till you get something and it won't take you long. But in chapter 1, God gives us the table of contents of what you're going to find when you read the book of Proverbs. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, gives us the table of contents. So I want to encourage you. You say, well, Pastor, what are we going to find when we read the book of Proverbs? Well, I want you to notice, number 1, it is a father instructing a son. The book of Proverbs ends with a mother instructing a son. So you have two bookends in the book of Proverbs. You have a father instructing his son. And then at the very end in chapter 31, you have a mother instructing her children. And so when you find the table of contents, you'll find it here in verse 2. The Bible says to know wisdom. Now, I don't know about y'all, but how many of y'all feel like you, it would be good if you had some wisdom? We all need wisdom, so you're going to find wisdom in this book. And the Bible says you're going to find instruction. Now, by the way, we all need instruction. So if you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to get instructed. And then the Bible says perceive. You're going to be able to perceive some things, and you're going to be able to understand. And then the Bible says you're going to understand judgment, justice, and equity. And you're going to understand subtly, and you're also going to understand knowledge and discretion. So These are the table of contents, and I don't know if there's a mom, a dad, a human being on earth that could not receive some of these, if not all of these things in our life. So when we read the book of Proverbs, that's the table of contents. You're going to find instruction, you're going to find wisdom, you're going to find equity, you're going to find justice, you're going to find perception. And in this pastor's scripture today, it is such great instruction. Now, as you know, it's Home Improvement Month, and so we're trying to preach toward the home, the mothers, the father, the, 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 the mom, the dad, the husband, the wife. And who created the family? Who designed the family? God did. And so when he instructs us in these things, we know them to be true because he is the originator, he is the creator, he is the designer of all of these relationships. So we would be very wise if we would accept his instruction. So in Proverbs chapter 22, if you'll notice verse 6. Now, by the way, he gives so much instruction here. uh, Different subjects, different, just very quick Proverbs, very quick instructive statements. But verse 6, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Then in verse 15, the Bible says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now these were two verses as a child that I was quoted. They were quoted to me. I learned them as a child. I could quote them as a child. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he shall not depart from it. 
Sadly, I hate to tell you, I also learned, not only was quoted, verse 15 was quoted to me, praise God, it was acted upon me. Somebody say amen. amen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And I, by the way, I say, man, I wish my parents didn't love me so much. How I many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But that is love. The Bible says that the foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Now, just to make this clear, you know this is true. We've never had to teach a child to do wrong. A child knows how to do wrong. Why? Because he's born that way. She's born that way. We were born that way. We were born sinners. We were born a man and woman. So we, we have to be taught and trained to do right. I've never had to teach a child not to lie. We've had to teach a child not to lie. We've never had to teach a child uh, to, to uh, uh, share or we'd ever have to gotten onto a child because they're sharing. What do we have? We have to teach a child to share. Why? The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And then the Bible gives this instruction. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he shall not depart from it. Now you know that if you've known me for some time, I share personal things about myself and my life. And uh, as a boy, I quoted Psalm 23. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now as a child, I misunderstood that passage of Scripture. I thought, why would it be in the Bible that the Lord is my shepherd and I don't even want him? As a child, that's the way I read that. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So as a child, I was saying... Why would they put that in the Bible? Because that's saying basically the Lord's my shepherd and I don't want him. Y'all understand that? Have anybody else silly like me that you thought the same thing when you was a child? I did. It's never told to me any different. So I want to say to you, I've learned different. The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, here it is because of the wording. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, he's such a good shepherd, I don't need anything else. I don't want anything else. Now, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, I'm sad to tell you that this verse has been, there has been such misconception of this verse for years. Here's the misconception. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Here's the misconception. In other words, if you'll train up a child, then they will not live wrong. That's not what that verse means. That's not what that verse means. That's the misconception. You train up a child in the way he should go, and when he gets old, I'll tell you right now, he won't live wrong. It's not what it says. It's not what it means. The emphasis is this. If we, the mom and dad, or whoever is training the child, raising the child, teaching the child, will raise the child in the way he should go. In other words, they're emphasizing the Lord in their life, they're putting a hedge of protection around them. They're raising them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And they try to teach that child and train that child in the way he should go, that he should delight in the Lord. Here's the emphasis. When they are older, they will not have the desire to live any other way. I have sat with moms and dads. And by the way, I have sat my wife and I. And we have sat in maybe a living room setting or maybe around the dinner table. And, and I have had the opportunity as a pastor to sit with many parents that have sat with me and they've 
they've shared their heart with me and they've, they've shared their tears with me and, and from a broken heart they'll say, Pastor, we tried to raise them for the Lord and we trained them and we loved them and we tried to be faithful and we did what was right by them. Pastor, can you tell me why they're not living for the Lord? And that's heavy. That's heavy for parents to know that they've done all they've known to do and they stand at the end of life or sometime in the point of their life and they look back and they see their children, they're disappointed in them. Not that you don't love them, not that you're disappointed in them because you don't love them and you don't think they're of worth. You're disappointed in them because you want them to be so much more for the Lord. You want them to live right. And I've sat there many times, many times, more times than I would like to sit there and the parent will look at me and say, I don't know what happened. We tried to raise them for the Lord and we did this and we raised them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Can I encourage you? Every person is a free will being. The Bible says that even a child is known by his doing. Just because you've done everything you could and you raised them and tried to train them in the fear and the amnesty of the Lord, and by the way, you've put a good base in. Don't ever minimize that. Don't ever minimize when you put a good, strong, solid spiritual base because I've learned this. It is true. Sometime in life, sometime mostly in life with a child, I wish it was younger than older, but many times in a child's life, much older in life, after they look back through all their life, they see all of the ruin, they see all of the mistakes, they see all of the hurt, they see all of the damage, they finally come to their senses and say, Oh, I wish I would have listened to my mother and my father. And they have a base. They've got a base. That's why I say to every family member here, if you have a child, you say, Pastor, I don't know if bringing them to Sunday school is important. Oh, it's important because you're building a base. A Wednesday night is important to bring your child and let them go to Kids for Christ. Why? Because you're building a base there. Why bring them to Sunday school? They're, they're getting a base to which to live their lives and to understand that God is always best in living our lives for the Lord. But the Bible says here to train up a child in the way he should go. But every person has a free will. Every child is known by his doing. But I'll tell you this, you're going to stand at the end of your life or maybe sometime in your life you're going to say, I thank God I did. I want you to know when we try to put a spiritual base and we do this principle, we try to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We try to train them in the way he should go. You'll never regret it. So I want to preach this morning and probably tonight on just this subject and I'm going to take my time, train up a child. Train up a child. I find three things in this passage that we have to look at when we think about this simple passage, train up a child. Now you say, Pastor, I don't have a child. Okay. Maybe the Lord's not blessed you with a child yet. You say, well, I don't have a child at home anymore. You say, okay. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not a parent. Okay. But I'm going to tell you this, you have some type of influence with a child. So no matter where you are in life, there's a child looking up to you. There's a child that you're either going to influence for the glory of God or you're going to influence them in the wrong way. 
And I would hope to think that we want to be a part of this training up a child in the way he should go. So the first thing that I have to mention here, looking at this passage, train up a child in the way he should go. Number one, this is life's greatest effort. Get it down. Life's greatest effort is what? To train up a child. That's life's greatest effort. Now, I want you all to look at me just a second. I want you all to look at me eyeball to eyeball. I want to tell you something. Here's what the world's telling you. The world's telling you the greatest effort in your life is to go get rich. Look at me. That is not life's greatest effort. If God has blessed you with a child, your greatest effort is to train and to teach and to raise that child. Greatest effort. By the way, the Bible tells us that the children have been given to us by the Lord. They've been given to us by the Lord. The precious things we call our children. And aren't they precious? It's a whole lot easier to say that when they're younger than when they get older. Amen. They ain't nothing more precious on earth than my two grandbabies. My soul. My little granddaughter come up to me the other night, and you know, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being falsely accused. I'm being falsely accused that I let my granddaughter get away with stuff that I never let my daughter get away with. I just think I'm falsely accused. And I can't even believe I'm making that statement because before I had grandchildren, I'd look at grandparents and I'd say, and you need to be careful, grandparents. I don't preach so hard now towards grandparents. But I'm going to tell you all right now, there's nothing more precious in the world. A little girl with wet hair that just got out of the bath. She's got her, uh, got her uh, uh, pajamas on and she comes over there. And I'm sitting on the couch and there's nothing more precious. A little six-year-old girl, Papa, can I snuggle with you? Nothing like it. Come on up here, baby. Snuggle up. She don't snuggle me very often. So when she says, I'm a precious. Can I get a witness? They're precious. They're the greatest gifts God's given us. So what are we to do? We're to train up a child. Life's greatest effort. It's no greater effort. Do not allow the world's philosophy to tell you that your greatest effort is to make it rich, to make it big. I'm telling you right now, the greatest effort is to train up a child. The greatest effort is training a child. Can I say the greatest effort? And I'm going to tell you all something. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're doing it right, you're sweating. If you're doing it right, you're spending a lot of time. If you're doing it right, you're instructing over and over and over and over again. If you're doing it right, you're turning the televisions off. If you're doing it right, you're not thinking about what can we do, just me, or do get away from my family, do this. If you're doing it right, it is a daily thing that you're training your child. It takes a lot of work. By the way, when you discipline a child, it should be done right. It should take a lot of time. You say, well, you're getting on your child's nerves. Well, I'd rather get on their nerves. Training a child, by the way, is effort. I said it's the greatest effort because it takes time. By the way, you know why a lot of children are, look, I'm going to say this. I know I have watched people train dogs more than they've helped teach their children. 
The Bible says we are to teach our children, to train up a child. In other words, that's life's greatest effort. Someone came to me sometime back and said, Pastor, I'm just going to tell you right now, our greatest scourge in most of our homes, the truth is most parents just don't want to take the time to deal with their teenager or their child. They don't want to take the time. They're not going to take the time. They're too busy. They've got too many busier things, too many greater things to do. Excuse me, can I say this as kindly as I can? If God's given you children, there's nothing greater to be putting time into than your child. Train up a child. Life's greatest effort, train up a child. Life's greatest effort, train up a child. Listen, Hitler knew the importance of training children. We hear a lot about Hitler. Sadly, very few people even study Hitler. They don't, they don't even know what took place. Do you know there was only two preachers in the whole country of, 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 of uh, uh, Germany that even knew what was going on? By the way, both of them, they lost their life because of it too. Mr. Bonhoeffer was one. From day one, he knew that Hitler was an evil man. But everybody else thought, oh, we know he's good for Germany. He's good for Germany. So what did they do? They infiltrated the church. But you know what Hitler did? He was wise. He was evil. He was evil and he had, he had evil wisdom. He had evil knowledge. You know why? He brainwashed the children. He trained the children. I think our greatest effort is to train the children. Not in socialism, not in his evil ways. Listen to me, in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Life's greatest effort. Let us labor, let us sacrifice, let us train, let us teach. Let us labor and striving together to train the children in the ways of the Lord. How many of y'all know the Lord's been good to you? Can I ask you this? How many of you know the day you met him? You remember the day you got saved? How many of you know the day you got saved? You know what? Children need to hear that over and over and over and over and over again. Your testimony will be a training tool for your children. You know what that does? It breaks down the barrier of you wanting to talk about the Lord. How funny is it when we live in this society, we can talk about everything but spiritual things. You know what to break that down? Just start talking to your children about how good it was when you got saved. See, I was a five-year-old boy when I got saved. My mom and dad, man, they were old-fashioned. They, they, listen, I was raised on drugs. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Drug, boy. I mean drug. Kicking and screaming. We rode drug right across the street. And here's what was amazing. And by the way, we went every Sunday. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were there. And there was times my sister and I, we didn't want to go. But it didn't matter. My mother said, no, y'all going to church. And now that I stand here at 49 years of age, I'm glad that I had some old-fashioned parents that just made me go to church. And yes, there were many times I sat in that pew. I wanted the preacher to hurry up. I sat in that pew and I was doodling. And yes, I sat in that pew and I was wanting to get every excuse out of the sun to get out of the service and say I had to go to the bathroom and had to go do this. And I did all that because that preacher was just too long-winded. But I thank God there was a day I came into church, boy. I was sitting right back there in the second row from the back on this side. And I was sitting back there. Man, that preacher got up and preached that morning. And he got to preaching on a subject that we don't hear a whole lot about today. He got to preaching on hell. And boy, he got to preaching telling me that the people that rejected the Lord Jesus Christ was cast into an awful place called hell. Man, my ears perked up. 
And he said, God doesn't let any sinners into heaven. And man, I knew as a five-year-old boy, I had lied, I had stolen, I had done some things even as a five-year-old boy. I said, oh, my soul, I can't go to heaven. Boy, before he finished, boy, he said, oh, but let me know. Let me let all of you know this morning that even though you're a sinner, listen to me, God still loves you. That's why he died for you. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. And man, I started getting the good news then. I said, oh, my goodness, I'm a sinner, but oh, God loved me. And not only did he love me, he sent his son to die for me. And then that preacher said, now if you'll just bow your head and you'll trust Jesus Christ, you let the Holy Spirit of God convict you of your sin. And if you'll trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, he'll save you, he'll become your father, and you can go to heaven. I said, cha-ching. So that's what I want. Man, I was under conviction that day. I'll never forget it. As soon as the service was over, now I didn't come forward. As soon as that service was over, man, I grabbed my mama's hand. I said, Mom, I need to get saved. And I thank God I had a mom that knew how to tell me how to get saved. And she took me straight to the house. I'll never forget. She set me on the end of that couch. She opened up the Bible. She read one verse to me, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. She said, Mark, you believe that? I said, oh, yes. She said, do you believe that Jesus died for you? I said, oh, yes. She said, will you trust him right now and ask him to save you from your sin? I said, oh, yes. And I prayed as a five-year-old boy and I... I asked Jesus to save me. I've never been the same. Right there is where y'all say amen. Never been the same. Does that mean you always live right? No, I want to tell you, I got away from the Lord. And man, when I was in my early, early adult years, man, I got to doubting whether I was saved or not. Man, I got to doubting about that thing. I said, Lord, Lord, I, and I was laying in bed one night, man, I was doubting and I was praying. And I said, Lord, I, I, I just, I know that I asked you to save me, but I was just doubting that thing. And I said, Lord, I'm telling you right now, I've trusted you and I've asked you to save me. And here's what I said. If I die, it's your fault if I go to hell. You know what I did right there? I just said, Lord, I can't do anything. I'm trusting your word. I've asked you to save me. And you know what? There was a peace that came over my heart, and I've never doubted it since. And I want to tell you something. When you meet him, you know you've met him. He'll change your life. And I want to say to you, I want to say to you this morning, life's greatest effort is when we get saved, we start growing in the Lord. And our greatest effort Effort in training our children is just letting them know how real God is to us. And see, if you've met him and you can tell your children the day you've met him, see, that breaks down that barrier of talking to them about spiritual things because they say, man, daddy met Jesus, mommy met Jesus. They know Jesus as their personal savior. And right there is where it can begin. And see, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And we grow in that relationship. And it all starts when we meet him as our personal Savior. Amen? It's a lifelong relationship that we're learning more about the Lord. And when we're learning as parents, what are we doing? We're training our children in what we're learning. It's a beautiful thing. But it takes time. It takes effort. Can I say, again, if you give you a few things, you've got to maintain. If we're going to train them in the way they should go, then we've got to maintain a spiritual environment or a Christian environment. I've learned this. Children watch examples more than they listen to preaching. Now, y'all hear me. Children catch more by what their 
caught, they catch it. They, they're caught more than taught. They see it. So can I say to every daddy here, just a second, you say, how can I train my children? Well, let's get, number one, if you're not saved, get saved, start loving the Lord, and you'll be amazed what your child will learn from you. They'll see you. I believe one of the greatest things that I've ever known as a child is truthfully, I've shared this with you before, but do you know how many times I've thought about that as a young child, even as an adult? I had a mother that prayed. And I'm telling you right now, there were many times I would walk down those old steps there at 1600 Temple Street, and I would walk down, come down those steps, and I had a mother bent over a chair, crying over a prayer sheet. And I, I can still see that old crumply prayer sheet, and it was stained. And I can remember many a times walking down those steps and seeing and hearing and watching my mother pray. By the way, that taught me a whole lot more than what she ever said. That's training takes effort, but it also takes a Christian environment. Let me just say, it's what they hear at home is what they will repeat. And some of us get scared to death, say, we tell them, don't say that. I know, you, how many of y'all have ever been embarrassed because your child went out and said something they heard at the house? We've all done that. <laughs> hey, if they, if they hear you praying, if they hear you talking about the Lord, if they see you praying, if they see you reading your Bible, if they see you talking about the Lord, listen, this is an environment that we need to create. Train them. Great effort. By the way, it doesn't come cheap, doesn't come easy. It's not something that just happens. Somebody has to make it happen. Because I'll tell you what, we're so busy, we have to make it happen. We should maintain a Christian environment. Can I say we should maintain family instruction? Now I'm going to share with you something, and I hope I can share it in a way that I've put a lot of thought into it. As you all know, I graduated from Crown, and Laura and I had the privilege and our children to be under the pastor, pastor Sexton for five years. It was a great five years. I learned a lot. And of course, all of you know that he passed away in December. And we were both sick. We're not able to go to the funeral. But as I was sitting there watching his funeral, there was something that took place that I understood. And I immediately started to think about me personally. But uh, everyone that got up, especially family and others, they, everyone said something about it was dad or it was, you know, my brother or whoever was speaking about Pastor Sex, and they said he just had this insatiable desire. Everywhere he went, he wanted to teach. He wanted to talk. He wanted to instruct and said, you know, my dad always wanted to instruct. And he always, if no matter where he was, he was always making practical lessons out of everything and anything. And I thought about it as I heard it. I said, you know, that, that's in me. And sometimes I've had to ask the Lord, help me to be quiet. Because it's in me. It's in me. And no matter how old your children get, if you love your children, but by the way, you've got you've to use restraint there because when they become their own adult and they're leading their own family, we have to be careful. But that's still in me. Y'all understand what I'm saying? It's still in me. 
You always want to try to instruct. You always want to try to help. You always want to try. And by the way, being in the ministry over 26 years, we've learned a lot. But as I thought about that, I I thought, is that not though a biblical principle? Would you just quickly, would you open to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6? We're talking about training a child. Life's greatest effort, training a child. Life's greatest effort, training a child. Train up a child, life's greatest effort. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Do you know that God gives you, and I hope every mother and father and everyone will listen very closely now, God gives you these special moments in life. I want you to notice in chapters, Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse number 6. The Bible says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He's talking to the moms and dads. Look at verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. When thou liest down. And when thou risest up. These are golden moments in life. That God gives us. And the reason I'm filled with emotion here is because my mind is full of memories. I know I shared this with you. Some of the most precious times in a child's life is when they lay down to bed at night. If you have a little girl, more than likely they're scared of the dark. And I think back of my little girl. I think back of a sister that was at home. And there are certain things here, and I'm thankful we had a mother that every night when she laid us down to bed, her last thoughts of us to help us to go to bed to rest at night And I know, y'all, I think it's funny and I laugh about it, but it's precious. She'd say, Mommy loves you, Daddy loves you, and Jesus loves you most of all. Now, as a boy, that drove me nuts, especially that second kiss. Mommy loves you, Daddy loves you, Jesus loves you most of all. It was just, that was, Kim and I both could quote it. We know that's how our mother put us to bed every night. And what she was doing, she, I'm sure she understood what she was doing, but she was taking this opportunity to teach us something when thou liest down. See, there's these golden moments of opportunity that God gives us. Look at them there in verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. What do you do when you're sitting at home? I can think of my grandpa Leslie. I, I never forget it, man. I, every time I go up there, even as a teenager, I was in a hurry, but he'd sit in the den, and as soon as I'd walk in the door, he'd say, Mark, come here. And I'd go over and I'd sit down, and he'd always read me something out of a periodical or a magazine. And it was always bad. I mean, it was always bad. But then without fail, my grandpa would open up the Bible, and here's what he'd say. He'd say, but Mark, let me tell you what God says about it. When thou sittest in thine house. 
That wasn't one of those times that Grandpa had to plan it. No, he did what God said. He said, I'm going to teach you something. And we're just sitting here. What about at the dinner table? See, we're so hurry. We're such in a busy today. And by the way, let me say to every mom and dad, the worst thing you can do is let your child eat alone in a room by themselves. That ought to be a special time. I don't care if you get home at 6. I don't care if you get home at 7. I don't care if that doesn't work for your schedule. I'm telling you right now, there better be a time where you can sit and talk about the goodness of God of your day. You say, well, pastor, we don't have time. Then make time. It's life's greatest effort. Train up a child. While thou walkest along the way. By the way, I had a young man call me about a year ago. Haven't seen him in years. He happened to go to the same school where our children went to school. Hadn't seen him in years. And uh, my children will tell you, and this young man will tell you, I picked him up at Calvary Christian School there, North Terrace. I pick him up for school. I bring him. I had about a 12-minute drive, and y'all know what I did for those 12 minutes. First thing I say, well, how was y'all's day? They tell me. And then I say, well, what did y'all learn today? And then I'd always ask him this question. What did y'all learn about Jesus today? I mean, it was without fail. I mean, it, it was constant. And I'll never forget, this guy, about a year ago, he calls me. He says, I just want you to know. Now, he didn't like it at the time. But now he's an adult. He called me. He said, Pastor Mark, I just want you to know, I appreciate all those conversations you had with me, those 12, 13 minutes driving home from school. See, look here. When thou walkest, by the way, we're not walking, we drive now. Can I ask every mom and dad, when you're driving back and forth from church, what are y'all discussing? What are you talking about? When you're driving your son to a game, when you're driving your child to school, when you're driving around, when you're playing with them, doing whatever you do in life, you say, well, maybe I'm fishing with him today. Well, maybe so. But are you teaching something greater than fishing? The Bible says to teach them diligently. That means, I'm going to tell y'all right now, I've learned this. If I had it to do over with Brother Don, I'd have done it a whole lot more. I'd have done it a whole lot more. I'd have set our children down. I would have talked about a whole lot more. And by the way, I talked about a lot. But if I had to do over with, I'd do a whole lot more. And I say this to you. If you have your precious children at home, if you have your precious children at home, Train that child. Spend time with that child and let them know how much mommy and daddy loves Jesus. It's life's greatest effort. Can I say, teach biblical principles. You say, Pastor, how do we do that? Pray. Praying. Talking about the Lord. Reading your Bible. So, Pastor Mark, I don't even know where to start in the Bible. Start in the book of Proverbs. By the way, if anyone says, Pastor, I'm just not comfortable, come to me. I have resources for you. I can give them to you and say, hey, listen, start reading here. This will help you. Got to start somewhere. How many of you glad your parents started with you somewhere? Got to start somewhere. 
train up a child, life's greatest ever. Can I also say this? I'm going to close. Maintain faithful church attendance. I knew a pastor was going to get on that. I knew a preacher was going to get on that. He just wants us to come to church. Listen to me. I don't want you just to come to church. I believe there's a benefit and a help for you being here. I had a young lady. She's sitting here in about the fourth row. And her brother. They pretty much grew up in this church. And every Sunday this young lady's here. I'm sitting, particularly today, I'm sitting in the front. And she comes up to me. And she, and I always side hug, folks. And I, I side hug this young lady. And then I went back and I seen her brother. And every time I see these young people, my heart is encouraged. You know why? Because they've grown up here. And you know what? They come here by themselves. Their mama, bless her heart, has to work many mornings and many times that they're able to be here. But they come and I thought, you know what, if I just want them to come to church, and I tell our workers all the time, we want more for these young people for them just to come here. We want to be a help to them. Them being here is just not enough. What do we do with them when they get here? What do we teach them when they get here? What do we help them with when they get here? I had a grandmother several months ago call and I was able to talk to the two young men today but the grandmother does not come here but these two young men come here and she told me over the phone, she's like, oh pastor, she said, I love my grandboys. I said, I know you do. And she said, I love them. She said, they're good boys. She said, I'm so glad they've been coming to church but she said, they've been getting into a little bit of trouble at school. She said, will you talk to them? And I thought, Dear God, help us. It's just not important that they come here. It's more important, what are we helping them with? But I thought if they don't ever come here, we can't help them anyway. If they choose not to get on our buses, if you choose not to come, look, we can't help you anyway. Ah, he just wants more people to be in his class. No, I want more people to let the Lord help them. Can I give you three quick things? I got to hurry. Can I give you three quick reasons why children don't want to come to church? Number one, it's just simply this, entertainment. No church I know can compete with the entertainment that they know. When I was a little boy, man, the best we had was Pong. Amen. Y'all know what Pong was? Pong was them two little things, and you, it was like boink, 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 boink. It was a ball. Boink, boink. Have y'all seen what the kids get to play today? Some of them things look like real people. I mean, you know, when I was in the 80s and, you know, we had one person in the whole, my whole Riverview area that had a Pac-Man, man. I mean, we all crowded over there to the Atari. Y'all ever seen an Atari Pac-Man? I thought, man, can't get any better than Pac-Man. 
space invaders, asteroids. I mean, man, we'd spend hours doing that stuff. But today, have y'all seen what these kids get to do? Their minds are so flooded with entertainment, they can't even sit in a church service. They've been entertained to death. And here's what I get a call. This is amazes me. Here's what people call a pastor. What do y'all got down there? What do y'all do with the kids? And it always amazes me. They ask, what do we do with the kids? I don't know about y'all, but I would be more concerned. What are we doing with them kids? What are we teaching those kids? But I want you to know today, we live in a day where entertainment has become, and by the way, as a result of being entertained, it's become a lifestyle. So y'all know what? Church is boring. You say, well, Pastor, how do you overcome that? Then you quit talking like it's boring. Don't say, well, I'm here right now. We got to go down there and get to church. Say, hey, get dressed, get ready. We're going to get to go down there to church. We get to see so-and-so. You get to be in a Sunday school class and you get to learn the wonderful truths of God today. Some of y'all's children will go, who's that? Well, come on, let's go. Let's get ready. Come on, let's go. Well, no wonder they don't want to come. Can I get a witness? They don't want to put the game system up long enough to come. Why? I wouldn't either. By the way, you say, Pastor, why do you preach away? I hope I'm not boring. How many of y'all be honest? Y'all think I'm boring? Well, if you do, I understand. I can't compete with Sonic. I can't compete, hey, with the halftime show. But listen to me. I ain't trying to. Can I give you another reason why your children don't want to come to church? And by the way, if they're coming now, they're younger. But when they get older, they're going to make every excuse. And here's what amazes me. It amazes me the parents fall for it. Here's what they'll say. Well, I'll let my child think for themselves. Well, here's another reason. Peer pressure. I'll let my children decide for themselves what they believe and that's what many parents say. But you know what, friends, there's no such thing. That's not how it works. They don't make decisions on themselves. I'm going to tell you what, they're being pressured by somebody. All of us are a product of influence of people around us. It doesn't take much peer pressure before children bow down to it. By the way, it doesn't take a whole lot of peer pressure for adults anymore. Nobody wants to be different. Even adults are controlled by peer pressure by some point. Then the last thing, I believe young people don't want to come to church, and this is a great indictment, God help all of us, hypocrisy. Now listen, I want to talk to you, and I'm going to close here, finish this tonight. Nobody's perfect. I've heard it all. So well, I tell you what, Pastor, I can't come down to church. I ain't living right. Well, that's why we ought to come. <laughs> it's not a reason not to come. It's a re- You don't go to the hospital because you're healthy. Right? You go to the hospital, you go get, if you're sick, you go to get better. Well, that's why we come to church so we can hear God's word, we can get help, we can, we can grow. And you say, well, Pastor, I ain't living right. Okay, I understand. Well, do y'all ever believe that I've, I've failed too? <laughs> so I don't want you to think that it's not because we make mistakes, but hypocrisy, here it is. This is why some people, some children will say, well, 
I'll tell you right now, they come to church and they act like they're great, but then they go home and they live like the devil. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That's hypocrisy. By the way, we all know that that, by the way, we all know that we can make mistakes. But you say, Pastor, then how do we combat hypocrisy? Then let the Lord help you. All of us make mistakes. But as God starts to work in our hearts, he starts. Remember at the very beginning of the message I said that I used to compartmentalize my life? School was school. It was here. Home was home. Playing with the boys was here. Hey, maybe my hobbies, going hunting and fishing was here. But, but there was a very little part of my life as a child it was church, and that was a block of where that was just on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. But as I got older and I started growing in this thing, I realized, no, the Lord should be important to me in every phase of my life. He saved me for eternity, so therefore, so what happened to me is I just started living like he was real every minute. And guess what started happening? Pretty soon there was no more church life, there was no more school life, there was no more this. Everything was the Christian life. It's living and having a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And by the way, we have to instruct our children in that, but it, we do instruct, but here it is. We just live it. So you say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm going to be honest with you. My children would say, yes, we're hypocrites. Okay, there's a start. You know how that could be a great Lesson for your children? Talk to them. Something like this. You know what, mommy and daddy, I want you to know we love you. But you know what, there's something going on in mommy and daddy's heart and we want to start doing more for the Lord. We want to start, we want to start, we want to start some things different in our life and in our marriage and in and, and we want you to understand this. And you got to keep them with you. you got to talk to them about it and explain it to them. Say, listen, we're going to start going to church or we're going to be in church. And here's why. Because God loves us and he has the best for us. And he wants the best for us. And we want to find out what that is. And we want to start growing. And we want you to grow. We want you to know what God has for your life. Because can I say to every parent here just a second? I'm getting ahead of myself. But listen, God has a wonderful plan for your child. He has a precious, perfect purpose for your children. Train up a child in the way he should go. You know God has a way for them. So listen, don't minimize church attendance. Don't minimize it. Why? Train up a child is life's greatest effort. And here's what's amazing. We have people in this church that will help you train your child. And I thank God for a church family. My children have many fingerprints on them. And many of them sit right here in this building. How many of you think your children are precious? How many of you think your grandchildren are precious? How many of you think it's our greatest effort to train them for the Lord? That's life's greatest effort. Would you stand to your feet this morning?
would you be honest this morning and say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I don't know if I'm saved. But I'm concerned about it. I promise you, there's nothing embarrassing about it. But you say, Pastor Mark, I'm here. And I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand? No one's looking. Would you just slip it up where I can see it? Is there anyone like that? Anyone like that? Can I ask this question? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning. And I know the God of heaven spoke to my heart about something. He spoke to my heart about something. Would you raise your hand? You say, that's me. You know he spoke to you about something. Well, they're going to play. And I'm going to ask you. Make your pew a place to pray at, or you just pray standing. Listen, if he loved us enough to speak to us about something, why don't we say yes to him? Ask God to help us. Can I ask this this morning? How many of you, you have a desire to train your child in the way they should go? That is the greatest effort. Let's ask God to help us. Church, we have a great opportunity of assisting parents to do it. Let's ask God to help us and give us wisdom. Train up a child the way he should go. Now, if you don't come back tonight, this is going to be unfinished. Because we've looked at life's greatest effort tonight, we're going to look at life's greatest discovery. And then life's greatest achievement is all found in this verse. So I pray that you'll do your best to come back and let's be instructed in the ways of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we're thankful for your word. Lord, I pray that you will help all of us to put the effort in. There's so many time robbers. There's so many good things that are thieves. And they're thieving us from the best of things. And Lord, as we have our children in our homes It will not always be that way. You've allowed us to have them for a while. So I pray that you'll help us to get involved in life's greatest effort to train up a child. We'll thank you for what you do. Help each one of us that you spoke to us specifically. That we would say yes, put that in our lives, and begin to obey it. This message does none of us any good if we only hear it. I pray you'll help us to apply to our life. Well, thank you for what we ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, amen. Be back tonight, 6 o'clock. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.